fighting for freedom every day. Republicans right now, the conservatives, which unfortunately, this is what we have to do every time, even after a vote where people are sick and tired of the establishment, they're sick and tired of the squeezy, middle-of-the-road, squishy kind of Republican rhinos, and we vote conservatives in, then we have to fight tooth and nail in D.C. to actually be heard within the Republican Party. This is the Voice of Reason with Andy Hoosier. Hey, darn right it is. Welcome into it. What's up? It's a Monday, the greatest day of the entire week, baby. We are ready to rock and roll for another one. Well-rested, well-partied out after our St. Patrick's Day shenanigans, right? And in, in, wink, wink. I know that's what you've been doing. I know you so well. And we're ready to start a whole nother one here. Trying to carpe diem all over this place, baby. That's what we do. Welcome into it. This is The Voice Reason. I am Andy Hoosier, broadcasting live out of the heart of the nation here in Wichita, Kansas, on our flagship radio station. We are all over the country. Multiple radio stations, TV stations, live streaming, podcasting, however you watch or listen to the show. We love you to death. Your Millennial General reporting for duty like we do every single day. Big show today. I think it's going to be a big week. Let's just throw that out at the beginning. I think we're going to be in for a treat this week and see what happens. All by design, or is it going to be just spur of the moment? Are we as organized as the other side of the aisle? We'll get to all of it and more. Bottom of the hour, Phil Kirpin, American Commitment. He'll be joining. We'll talk about the Biden budget. More conversations regarding the Biden budget proposal. Now, usually, as I've said before, the president of the United States or the governor in each individual state will propose a budget, say this is what we'd like to see, and they sometimes use that as a framework, and then we say thanks, we toss it in the request bin in the corner of the office, and then we do our own thing. This one, for some reason, still gaining some traction on Democrat side, Republicans laughing at it, and we're debating now on what we do with the federal budget moving forward into the 2024 budgetary year so we have some audio we'll play that here in just a little bit we'll talk with phil about that at the bottom of the hour as well what could we see with inflation with social programs Uh, obviously now that social programs are coming to an end in the sense that you actually have to qualify for them again based on an application process just like prior to COVID 19 i know i know very triggering for some on the other side of the aisle because they don't like that one as well. So we have that. We have the conservative response and how are they handling that issue. But get ready, strap in, get the popcorn out and watch for a very chaotic week because obviously we're going to see some shenanigans be pulled with the claim that Donald Trump had made over the weekend at the end of last week saying that he could potentially get arrested on uh, Tuesday, tomorrow, coming up based on his paying off with the uh, Stormy Daniels adult star and being hush hush during the presidential election now will it happen i'm curious that would be interesting man the first president uh, former president to be arrested on really stupid charges like that i don't know if you're aware or not but congress actually has a slush fund in dc it's kind of quiet it's not titled that obviously but there's a massive amount of money that's used every single year on politicians paying off people to stay silent during election season most of them for affairs that they've had that they don't want people to know about remember al green that crazy democrat yet yeah, millions of dollars that he spent on keeping people quiet on the hush hush money that he's had so all of a sudden now it's an issue they openly admit, it. yeah, we have this fund and we've paid off a lot of people to make sure to stay quiet. During, I mean, it's not really illegal for them to come out and say that, that we didn't do anything necessarily illegal with these individuals. We just don't want it to look bad on us during election season. They openly admit it. They have these funds that they've paid millions of dollars on hush money. But all of a sudden, Donald Trump's the big issue. And his former attorney is the one out there, the one saying this. And Donald Trump making the tweet over the weekend saying to go out and protest 
because he's going to get arrested potentially on Tuesday this week when the media at first over the weekend, I was listening to the news reports, and the first thing they said, well, well, there's no actual basis for this because the investigation's not over. He could potentially get arrested at some point or at least uh, have some type of fine or court hearing or slap on the wrist or something. We're not sure. Not a big deal. But him calling to protest because he's going to get arrested and knowing the day that he's going to get arrested is a bit over the top. So, you know, not to worry about it, but Donald Trump just being Donald Trump. Now I'm hearing, well, he's inciting violence. And doesn't just play right into the left-wing progressive playbook. Now, I covered some of this on the uh, Armed American Radio's Daily Defense. I was with the great Mark Walters. I just got off of his program as we talked about this issue. Let's go down the rabbit hole for just a moment. I don't like to a whole lot because it's kind of crazy and it's uh, it, it, this is if this is the world of politics that we're in today, then it's very stupid. But let's go down the road here for a second, shall we? Because the Democrats are really good at doing this. And do they have a more malicious intent for this? We have an economy that's crashing before us, not to be the doom and gloom guy, because you know me, I'm the eternal optimist, I'm the positive kind of guy, the sun rays and sunlight, you know, going up, you know what, because we always think that there's an opportunity for everything. But for a second, let's go down the doom and gloom. We have an economy that's crashing. We have the financial markets and banks that are literally closing. We got two banks that just got bailed out over the weekend and got bought out by competitors. We have the other two that are going under but are being saved to a degree by the federal government based on allowing individuals to get their money out. And more banks that are struggling left and right as well. The bubble is beginning to burst and the recession is here upon us right now. Inflation still dramatically high. We have the interest rates that are going continuous, continuously going up, trying to battle the inflation based on the Federal Reserve because they're too stupid to think about any other options out there outside of just, let's raise interest rates. Then you have businesses that are taking advantage of the low interest rates from the last few years and expanding a little bit too far than what they should have been, which is why we're seeing now what we're seeing with banks failing when interest rates begin to climb. So we have that issue. Now we have the foreign issues. We have probably the biggest threat to the United States right now happening today with Vladimir Putin and Xi Jinping in China working and meeting together, calling each other buddy-buddy, holding hands, singing kumbaya, literally the biggest threat we could potentially imagine in foreign policy to the United States. More so than Iran, more so than any other issue, and it's not the conflict between Russia and the Ukraine. This is now the partnership of the two big mega houses, powerhouses in the world outside of the United States, colluding together to figure out how they can create world dominance, so to speak. That could potentially lead to a very, very bad situation. Hopefully, God forbid, nothing violent on a World War III scale. But we have Russia that's been able to show themselves as not the powerhouse we thought they were, but still has a lot of manpower as they continue their excursion into Ukraine. Then we have China, where we have Chinese balloons flying over the United States, the Chinese giving military and money and supplies to Russia, wanting to take over Taiwan, wanting to take over the United States, buying up agricultural land left and right. On top of that, we have the collusion with the Biden family getting kickbacks from Chinese countries because that's just the way the Biden family is. Then we have social media where we can't even communicate with each other with social media apps because Facebook and the Tweety and the YouTube and the Google all collude to try and censor the content that we are allowed and not allowed to see. And the sites that don't censor us because they're not owned by the federal government here, like TikTok, are the ones they're trying to ban so that way they can control the dialogue. We have high gas prices. We have an increase in egg prices. 
We have Mexico not wanting to actually take our corn now, which is going to be devastating for a lot of the agriculture community as they don't want to buy anything genetically modified, (laughs) which is like everything out there ever nowadays. Everything around the world seems to be crumbling before our eyes. We have train derailments left and right. We have chemicals being spilled in the air and in our drinking water. We have distribution plants of food being blown up by airplanes left and right. And they're saying it's all normal. And what are they focusing on? They're focusing on a former president who's running for president and his potential scandal with an adult film star. That's the story of the day when we're here to say, oh, my God, who the hell cares? But the media is all about it because they want the attention on Donald Trump. And it goes into a grander scheme. Let's put the tinfoil hat on for just a second, shall we? Let's go down the road of why. They're focusing so much on this. And let's just say and go down the road that Donald Trump will be uh, will be arrested tomorrow. What would that do to the nation? We have MAGA Republicans that would lose their minds, lose their, if you know what I mean, because a former president who's not doing anything wrong, where we found out he wasn't colluding with Russia, we found out that he wasn't lying and cheating and scandaling, We found out that he wasn't doing anything illegal in any way, shape, or form, that he wasn't a crazy radical racist, that he wasn't a crazy Nazi fascist, whatever else they want to call him, when they found out that they've investigated him for five years, six years, seven years straight with nothing to show for it except for two House representative impeachments that mean absolutely nothing on his record, they have to eliminate him. And he is that golden child. He is the icon. He is the scarecrow, the symbolism of what... 51, 52% of the nation represents, which is right center-right Republicanism, limited government, exposing the radical agenda from the socialists, exposing the radical agenda from the elites in Washington, D.C., and they are tired of it. They want to get back to business as normal. They want to get back to doing things the way they were, the smoke-filled rooms behind closed doors to make the deals with Republicans and Democrats To find ways to centralize power at the federal level, Donald Trump was the threat to that. Look at where we're at today. Even after Donald Trump has left office and he has no influence except for influence within the party, but no actual official influence in any way, shape, or form, they're trying to go back to business as normal, and they can't because now we're aware of what the hell they're doing. Think what you want about the QAnon, the whole conspiracy theorist mindset, which I do not fall into the conspiracy theorists of QAnon, um, although... They had a purpose, and the purpose was was that there's something weird going on within the federal government, and we need to watch what they're doing. Now, the whole pedophilia thing, I don't know, uh, with everything else they tried to claim, I think they lost a lot of supporters once they made their 15th or 17th or 20th claim about Donald Trump waltzing back into the White House and arresting Joe Biden. I think that's where a lot of the credibility started going downhill. But what it did do on a grander scale was make people say, huh, wait a second, what's going on in Washington, D.C.? Let's pay a little bit more attention. And now we're starting to get the patterns. I'm all about patterns. I'm a mathematical kind of guy. I like seeing patterns. That's why I'm good at problem solving and puzzles, because I like to see patterns. In math, you can always see a repeating pattern in numerical values, for the most part. We can see a pattern now. We see what they do. And COVID was a prime example. You create an issue. You create the solution to push onto the people. And that solution always gains you more power to you to do the same thing. Rinse, repeat, and cycle. It's what they're all about. Donald Trump was the wrench in that cog in that system. 
and they don't like that. So if they eliminate him, what do they benefit from doing that? They get him out, they arrest him, let's say theoretically, and then the MAGA people that are angry that protest, that gives them all the fuel and energy to continue on and reiterate and double down on the entire mindset that guess what? MAGA individuals, Republican individuals are domestic terrorists. They're the ones with the guns and the Bibles that cling on to their guns and Bibles. They're the actual deplorables. They are a threat to national security. Coincidentally, that whole threat to national security is going on at the same time we have a conversation about China's TikTok about being a threat to national security because of, quote, misinformation that's not being controlled or regulated or screened or shadow banned by our own federal government and the controls that we have here in the nation. Now the MAGA rep- uh, individuals will be the threat to national security on a domestic level because they'll be the angry ones. They'll prove that January 6th was that insurrection, even though we've just proven that otherwise. And we don't want you to know about that. So to continue on with that mindset, let's arrest their leading icon, the golden child of that movement. Watch them get mad and then show the violence that happens thereafter, whether it was actually created by us or not. So that way we can say, hey, look. Look at what Republicans and Trump supporters are doing. They're a threat. They're the election deniers. They don't live in reality. It's time to lock them down, take away the firearms, get rid of their social media, isolate them, and make sure they don't have any influence moving forward. That's the conspiracy theorist in me. Is it accurate? I guess time will tell by tomorrow when we actually get a, see him get arrested. With Andy Hoosier. Fighting for freedom every day. This is the Voice of Reason with Andy Hoosier. All right, it is. Welcome back into the program. 24 minutes past the hour. Radio, TV, live streaming, podcasting. However you watch, listen to the show. We love you to death. Thanks for hanging out. So we have Trump tweeting. They're communists, Marxists, rhinos, and losers. As he goes after Michael Cohen as they're set for court. Will we see Donald Trump actually get arrested? It's an interesting conversation. Again, most people, when they hear about him paying off Stormy Daniels, unless, you know, that's like the main breaker for you, the morals in this guy are absolutely horrible, so therefore he will never support him, which, I okay, if that's where you're staying, that's cool. I don't know how you could support the other guy right now, though, too, and I guess you have the lesser of two evils argument that's uh, the ongoing tug of war in your brain. But for most of us, when we hear being paid off like that, we think of... Oh, my God, who (laughs) the hell cares? I I mean, that's really where I'm at on this issue. Guess what? How many politicians, show of hands, how many politicians have not paid off somebody to stay quiet, whether it's a scandal or some type of an affair or something scandalous that goes on? Uh, How many have not paid off somebody? I think that number is probably a lot smaller than what we would actually like to see. So we have Donald Trump doing the scathing report, advocating for those to protest. And I guess the only thing we can say in response is if he does, Republicans, be very careful with how we respond and how we actually react to this. Because the media, the Democrats, Green Jean-Pierre, the White House, they're watching and any type of violence, which more than likely is going to be a staged violence of Republicans that aren't really Republicans that are actually Democrats being staged to make us look bad. Uh, They're the ones that are going to cause issues. So that way the media can say, oh, look, we told you they're the violent ones. They're itching for a civil war. They want to create an issue. They're domestic terrorists. They're the threats to America. They're the deplorables of the nation. They want to cling on to their guns and Bibles, and we need to do something about them, giving them all the more reason for them to centralize more power 
with law enforcement and with ever else to go after Second Amendment issues, to go after freedom of speech issues, which is why they're trying to censor and limit what type of access we can have on certain social media sites and other places as well. So just be cautious. That's all we got to do. Just be cautious. When we realize this is a really dumb thing, uh, Ben Carson, who, as you know, is like the most straight-laced guy you can have outside of probably Mike, uh, Mike Pence. Mike Pence got in trouble, if you remember, or at least not in trouble. He got called out by the media for not actually being in a room alone with another female because he never wanted any accusations to come out with him. Like the most straight-laced guy you could possibly have. Ben Carson's like that as well. He came out on Breitbart and made a comment saying, when you look at all the problems we have right now with the economy, with almost 200 Americans dying every day from fentanyl, with human trafficking, with crime, the list goes on and on. This is what you're going to be dealing with? It's absolutely absurd. It's embarrassing. And, you know, I talk to people from other countries all the time, and they're saying, what's happening to your country? It's very hard to watch this, but I'm hoping we're just going to a crazy thing. Maybe we're going to come out. Makes sense. This is insane. Mike Pence has, by the way, come out as well. And even though they've had their beef, he's had his beef with former President Donald Trump, said this is another accusation, just like the whole collusion with Russia. At what point does the attack, rinse, and repeat not work any longer? And I don't know that it is. The Republicans, the Trump supporters, even the ones that are on the fence, they think this is stupid. They're sick and tired of hearing about it. And in fact, I think Elon Musk is right when he said that this could create a landslide victory for 2024 if he does get elected. Because some that are on the fence about Donald Trump, yeah, he did some good stuff, but he's kind of a controversial kind of guy. Not really sure about him. Still don't like the way he tweets or the way he acts sometimes. If he gets arrested for something as stupid as this, that would push them over the edge to support him. Those that maybe were done with Trump said, you know what, if they're coming after him that hard for such an absurd, ridiculous thing, there must be a threat to them by Donald Trump. I think I'll support him. The ones that are on the other side, no matter what you say, no matter what truth, no matter what fact, no no matter what piece of evidence comes out, it doesn't matter. We're going to come after him because obviously he's the most evil, horrible human being on the face of the earth, and we need to go after him so they'll be happy. This will never change anybody's minds except for the ones that are in the middle of the road. And it'll swing them towards the side the media doesn't want them to actually go towards. Phil Kirpin coming up right around the corner. Stay here. This is The Voice of Reason with Andy Hoosier. When Reason meets radio, this is The Voice of Reason. With Andy Hoosier. John Ryder is welcome back into the program. So I realized that entire last segment, uh, we forgot to hit the unmute button on our live video stream. So we're back at it on the video. You'll wonder, hey, where's the audio there? <laughs> we got you covered, baby. It's a Monday. What the hell do you expect from me, man? Welcome back into the show. Radio, TV, live streaming, and podcasting. Trying to cram that 10 pounds of reason into that five-pound bag. Trying to rebrand the Millennial Generation 1 radio listener at a time on multiple radio stations all over the place. Uh, are you sick and tired of hearing about the whole, is Donald Trump going to be arrested or not? Here's here's what I have to say about it. We don't care <laughs> Good golly. I tell you, if all the money that we knew about that got it spent on trying to keep people quiet during election times with scandals, um, you should just kind of chuckle when they're like, oh, they paid off. Whether it's true or not, doesn't matter. It's really stupid. Uh, let's shift gears a little bit and get into the latest and what's trending. 
What's trending today? There's a lot to cover, especially on the more important issues of the day. That is, of course, the Biden budget. There was a conversation on Newsmax earlier today with a contributor to MarketWatch. Ellis Hennigan uh, made this comment in defense of the Biden budget proposal. It's actually a terrific budget. You should go look at it, Paul. Let me me tell you some of the things it does. First of all, I know you guys are concerned about deficits. So this one cuts $3 trillion out of the national debt. It also uh, defends middle-class people. It raises taxes on some of those billionaires who've been not paying their fair share. It uh, protects the things that Americans care most about, Social Security, Medicare, Medicaid, defense spending, 100% protecting of defense spending. And the Republicans, as as you were just hearing, won't come up with anything because their, their caucus is so fractured they can't agree on anything. Some want to cut defense spending 25%. Some want to want to devastate Medicare and Social Security. So give Biden credit. He came up with a good, strong, middle-class budget, and the Republicans are blubbering. They can't come up with anything. A good, strong, middle-class budget proposal. Is that really true? Talk about some of that and a lot more. He's the president of American Commitment. We love having him on the program to talk about these issues and so much more. Mr. Phil Kirpin back on the line with us here. Phil, how are you, my friend? I'm great, Andy. How are you? Hey, living the dream. What do you think of that? A good, solid middle-class budget, raising taxes on the richy riches that don't pay their fair share, cutting taxes for other individuals, cutting three, uh, $3 trillion out of the federal budget. It's a win-win. Like, why wouldn't we just get on board with this budget proposal? Well, you know, the interesting thing to me is that, you know, we had the second-highest revenue as a percent of the economy in history last year. And we also had a massive deficit, which tells you that the problem's entirely on the spending side. It also tells you, interestingly enough, that uh, you know when we do these big tax hikes, they don't change revenue that much as a percent of the economy. When we do big tax cuts, they don't change revenue much as a percent of the economy. It's always sort of in that kind of 17 to 20 percent range. And we actually do a little bit better on federal revenues when we have lower taxes than when we have higher taxes. Why? Because the economy is growing more. People are not uh, investing as much of their time and effort as money into avoiding paying taxes. Uh, They're too busy making money and doing economic activity. And so this idea that you can put capital gains tax hikes to a record level, which, uh, you know, post-inflation is going to be well in excess of 100%. The idea you can put a tax on unrealized gains or a wealth tax, that you could do corporate tax hikes, all of the other stuff in this budget, and get more money rather than harm the economy and get less money, I think is insane. So I think that uh, the the revenue increases are uh, totally uh, fake. Uh, the, the opposite would happen if, in fact, uh, we jacked up every tax in sight the way the president is proposing. But also, there are no real spending cuts in this budget. It's uh, just gimmicks and the same ridiculous thing. You know, basically, price controls and budget gimmicks. And, uh, of course, when you need price controls, you get shortages and other resource problems. And so I think it's an extraordinarily unserious budget. Um, and it's being greeted, greeted that way in Capitol Hill. I don't think it will see the light of day. It will, however, I think, uh, provide kind of a useful foil for Republicans to contrast their own budget with. And, of course, the biggest contrast is that the president's budget balances never, and we'll have to see what the Republicans propose, but supposedly it's going to, ba- it's going to balance. That's what uh, Speaker McCarthy promised the conservatives when they were holding out to vote for him. So uh, we, we await uh, what they've actually come up with. 
It's going to be interesting. This reminds me of during COVID or post-COVID, I guess shortly after COVID, Joe Biden came out and said that he's created now 12 million jobs more than any other president on the face of the earth in the history of the United States because of all these jobs. Uh, at the same time, he's cut $2 trillion out of the budget, which wasn't really a cut. We increased it by $2 trillion during the COVID-19 relief funding. That's not included in the budget. That was on top of what was already allotted for the budget. He cut that out, and all of a sudden, that's a reduction. We bring people back to work after the COVID pandemic after telling them to stay home, and all of a sudden, that's job creation. It seems like that's kind of the manipulation of the numbers that we're seeing at with this budget proposal as well, isn't it? Uh, yeah, I mean, if you if you compare the... You know, the president likes to say, look at how much I cut the deficit compared to what it was before I came into office. But the year before he came into office was the most obscene and massive spending spree in the history of the entire federal government, because that's when they shoveled all of those trillions of dollars of so-called COVID relief out the door. And, you know, much of it actually had nothing to do with COVID. And, you know, a lot of the money was stolen. And, you know, that's, I think we've talked about that before. Uh, but in any event, you know, the, the only honest way you can compare uh, what Biden's done on spending to the track we were on with Trump before he came in is not to look at the one year of 2020 versus, you know, where we are now. It's to look at what the next 10 years of projected spending were by the Congressional Budget Office before he came in and what they are now after his policy changes and uh, the redu- you know the I- inferior economic performance and so forth and the 10 year difference in deficits uh for the next 10 years from now from what they were originally projected to be uh, when he came into office versus what they're projected to be now is 6 trillion dollars of increased deficits over 10 years mm-hmm. so uh, this idea that he somehow has reduced deficits is uh you know, completely insane uh, if you look at it in the only apples to apples way. Yeah, no, absolutely. Uh, moving forward here, as you mentioned, we're waiting on what conservatives may do with this budget. The uh, conservative groups like the Conservative Action Project, uh, along with other organizations, I know you've been working on this as well. There, But the elected officials especially are trying to work on a plan that would potentially cut, like, not just in the future and, like, a trillion dollars over the next 10 years. That means absolutely nothing to them. But actually this year, along with in the future, is that a possibility? We still have to deal with the Democrat hurdle in the Senate right now. So uh, from your opinion, from what you're seeing in D.C. and the conversations you're hearing about, could we actually find common ground? Or at the end of the day, are we going to pass something like this or similar to it, raise the debt ceiling without any type of limitation for the end of the year and not have to worry about um, any types of substantial cuts and getting us back on track? Well, uh, here's the situation. We've got a Republican House that's pretty committed, I think, uh, to real spending reductions, and they are going to use that debt ceiling as leverage for that. And they've basically said, look, the whole reason the debt ceiling exists is to force Congress to do something to alter the fiscal trajectory that we're on when it's an unsustainable path. And, you know, we've got $31 trillion in debt. Uh, Ten years from now, it's supposed to be $50 trillion if we don't change anything. Uh, we've got to take it seriously. And as I said, the problem's entirely on the spending side. So I think that the, the House Republicans are going to push pretty hard uh, for some pretty substantial uh, reductions. And they've named some things that are sort of low-hanging fruit. I'd like to see them... Uh, name more things, put more things on the table, but, you know, they are dealing with a Democratic Senate and a Democratic president. Interestingly, I like what Mitch McConnell's been saying on the Senate side, which is basically the Speaker needs to negotiate with the President. If they can agree on something, the Senate will probably go along with that. I think that's right. Uh, So the question is whether 
the current Speaker McCarthy can accomplish something similar to what Boehner did when he negotiated with Obama. And, of course, we had pretty significant spending reductions uh, from that Budget Control Act, which put caps on spending that lasted for a few years until they waived them all. Of course, um, the reason it became hard to live under was that half of the cuts had to come out of defense, and uh, it was a time where we had increased defense commitments around the world, and that eventually made the whole thing collapse. So, um, it can be done. It has been done before. You would hope that they would avoid uh, the mistake of agreeing to put half the cuts on defense this time. Uh, but that's the model, and the question is whether McCarthy can win those negotiations with the president. And that, of course, I think, more than anything, um, in politics, it depends on public opinion. And so, you know, the, the question is, can Republicans, led by Speaker McCarthy, make the case to the American people that if you're going to ask for an increase in the national debt, you better have a plan to increase spending, not just a plan to keep continuing business as usual on an unsustainable path. And I think that's a winning argument if they make it to the American people. Yeah, that is true. Isn't that such a messed up system? We have like the duties of what government's supposed to be doing, which is national security is like one of its top priorities, not social programs. But in our divisiveness and how we split the federal budget up, we have the discretionary and the mandatory spending. And military is not included in that mandatory spending where they must just, you know, keep spending at a certain percentage or growing at a certain percentage. It's in the discretionary that continues to get cut left and right. When all the social programs that are bankrupting the nation are actually in the mandatory, and if you even talk about slowing their growth from a 6% growth a year to a 2% growth, then you're cutting it by 4% and wanting people to die in the streets. That's kind of a messed up system, isn't it? Uh, it's like the worst possible system, honestly. <laughs> and, um, you know, they're not going to touch the entitlement program, Social Security and Medicare, because uh, neither party has the political will to do it. Uh, they know that if they touch the third rail, they'll get, um, you know, electrocuted politically, and they're not serious enough to do a bipartisan negotiation and uh, come up with solutions, and so that can just get kicked down the road indefinitely. And by the way, those programs have an unfunded obligation between them that's twice the size of the official national debt and not included in the national debt. So that's another massive problem. But I'd be happy if they could even get the official national debt a little bit under control. Uh, but at some point, we are going to have to deal with those entitlement obligations. Yeah, what a mess it is. We've got to take a break here. It's Phil Kirpin, American Commitment. You can find him online as well with American Commitment. When we come back, I want to shift gears a little bit. I want to talk about these bank bailouts now that we're seeing the economy potentially work its way downward. The recession of 2023 looms on us and how we move forward with that issue and as we were talking about a little bit as well with ESG and the first um, uh, the, the, the Biden signing his first uh, veto on the ESG and some of the investments that Republicans are trying to work on as well. We'll do that when we come back here for a Monday on The Voice of Reason. Stay here. Voice of Reason with Andy Hoosier. Fighting for freedom every day. The Voice of Reason with Andy Hoosier. Welcome back into the program. Thanks for hanging out with us today. Last few minutes of the program here on a Monday. Boy, we have a lot to talk about throughout this week. What's going to happen? Get out the popcorn. Watch the craziness unfold before our eyes. Oh, man. We're not going to have a shortage of things to talk about, I guess that's for sure. Right now, we're hanging out with Phil Kirpin, American Commitment. As we talk about the Biden budget proposal, we talk about the way the economy is going right now, which, uh, Phil, I have to say, I love how the Federal Reserve comes out and they say, well, the only way that we need to get rid of inflation is to raise interest rates. We're on like interest rate rate hike, potentially number seven or eight or wherever we're at right now. 
has nothing to do with spending, cutting spending, stop printing money without any backing, nothing to do with that. All we got to do is just raise interest rates, and then all of a sudden things will go back to normal. And now because we're raising interest rates, things are getting so bad that every economist is predicting a recession sometime by the middle to the end of the year. Banks are already starting to fail. We have two shutting down, two more that just got bought out, more banks globally that were tied to us that were having issues that are getting bought out as well. But yet, don't look at the burning house around us. Pay attention to us because everything's all hunky-dory because the economy's going to get back on track, right? Well, I think we've got a pretty dangerous situation, as uh, as so often happens when the masters of the universe at the Federal Reserve uh, try to manipulate the economy and the banking system. And right now they're trying to manipulate them in opposite directions, right, because they're still trying to cool off the economy because they have this uh you know they have this idea that the best way to stop inflation is to jack interest rates up and induce recession essentially reduce economic activity to reduce demand uh, rather than doing what they should do which is stabilize the money supply and uh you know let the market determine what interest rates are and so they they've been obsessed with these rate hikes which i think they've really gone overboard with uh to be honest and one of the consequences of that is as you pointed out uh all of the banks that uh bought up tons of government bonds uh, as a place to park all of the money that the Fed had been creating the last few years. Now they're looking at huge paper losses because uh, interest rates have gone up, which means the value of the bonds has gone down, and that's causing insolvency potentially uh, And if people withdraw too much from the banks, as we saw with a couple of banks that have failed now. So now the Fed is saying, we'll take all your bonds at par, at face value, even if they're worth much less than that, and uh, they are expanding the balance sheet again of the Federal Reserve. And when they take assets onto the Fed balance sheet, they trade cash for them. They trade money. So it's money creation. And so now you've got the Fed back in the business of quantitative easing. They've reversed almost all the quantitative tightening of the last year uh, through this balance sheet expansion of taking these treasuries uh, you know, from these troubled banks. Uh, and they're continuing to try to raise interest rates. So now we've got a contraction of now we've got you know a contractionary increase in the cost of money at the same time that we've got more money being created and so what you put two and two together we're going to have continued high inflation but we're also going to have high interest rates the worst of all worlds so it's a pretty bad recipe right now which is why a lot of people are predicting a recession of course you know the one thing about economic forecasting is and is you know half the time everybody's wrong so we're hope I'm hoping it somehow it doesn't happen which you know is always possible but it's uh, it's a pretty uh, problematic environment right now. It's a very weird environment for sure. And they say that the we're not in a recession now, even though by definition we hit it last year when quarters two and three were below and actually a loss yeah, of growth. Did you notice they never officially declared one? The exactly. White House sort of like browbeat the official dating committee into never declaring that one. So yeah, it's very strange. It didn't it, happen because the economy is still hot. People are spending way too much money, which in about a minute or so as we wrap up here, Phil, uh, I mean, why do you think we're still spending so much money even with the high inflation and the price of goods? but yet we're still spending massive amounts of money for them, enough for them to say we're not in a recession because spending on the consumer side is still so high. Well, uh, you know, we pushed $6 trillion of money into the economy uh, you know, over the three or four years, and uh, almost all of that 
was, you know, printed money. Ninety percent of it was essentially printed money, which is why we've had, you know, so much inflation uh, over the last couple of years. But a lot of people got a lot of extra money, government benefits, stimulus checks, uh, you know, $1,000 a week unemployment, all that kind of thing. And so we had a historic decrease in credit card debt and a historic increase in spending over that period because so much people were getting so much money that, uh, you know, they were using it to improve their household finances pretty substantially. And so we've seen a big reversal of that over the last year or two, but yeah. people are still not as bad as they were before. So their credit card balances are coming back up, but they're still not quite as bad as they were before, and I think that's why spending has continued, but that can't go on forever. No, they can't go on forever, and when we start seeing some of the social programs end at the end of this month until you actually get qualified for them like we used to prior to COVID, we could see a pretty, pretty dramatic change in the economy and spending habits as well. Phil Kirpin, American Commitment, AmericanCommitment.org is the website. Phil, always good to talk to you, my friend. Let's do it again soon. All right. Have a good one. Always a pleasure, my friend. There it is. A lot of content. We'll break it all down again for you tomorrow. Until then, podcast up in just a little bit. So much more we didn't get to, but we'll see what the world looks like in another day right here on The Voice Reason. Until then, be your own voice reason. I'm Andy Hoosier. We'll see you on the radio.